What is up, ambitious listeners? Joining me on today's pod is an absolute beast of a football player and Andy St. Floor, just an absolute monster and excited to have sat down with him and hope you guys enjoy that conversation. Before that, though, will be a week 13 NFL recap, a very, very quick breakdown of all the league's games and all the action on this past Sunday afternoon, evening, and, well, yeah, afternoon and evening, but um, the recap of that action, the same floor interview, all after a quick word from our presenting sponsor, you know the drill, Anchor. Week 13 NFL recap coming at ya. We start in Tennessee where the Titans hosted the Browns in a game that was supposed to be which team was a fraud and which team was for real. And I think we came out of this game knowing that one team can win when need be and the other team came out looking like a dominant force. The Titans have proved, obviously last year when they went 9-7, and seven, that they can still make some noise in the playoffs despite some early losses. And they really didn't play awful football yesterday. Tannehill went for 389, three touchdowns and a pick. Derrick Henry could not get going though, 15 attempts for 60 yards. But the real issue was on defense. They could not get any pressure on Baker Mayfield and they were not able to disrupt anything as Baker carved and chopped his way to 334 yards and four scores yesterday. Nick Chubb at 80 yards and a score and Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Jarvis Landry, and Kendall Lamb all had scores. Big man touchdown, shout out Lamb. It was a dominant, dominant game for the Cleveland Browns in a game that sent them to 9-3 and three and a firm grasp of the wild card and the Titans kind of floundering as the Colts now have control of the AFC South. We go to Meadowlands where the New York Jets hosted the 6-5 and five Raiders. Would the Jets get their first win? Ultimately not. This game went down to the absolute wire on a cover zero call by Greg Williams. I'm being dead serious. He no longer has a job because of this and some other stuff. But cover zero on the last play of the game when the Jets were winning a game with four seconds to go and Henry Ruggs, or 13 seconds, sorry, and Henry Ruggs beat Lamar Jackson, undrafted free agent, not the Lamar Jackson you're thinking of, absolutely beat him in order to get a touchdown and ultimately seal the deal for the Raiders to send them to 7-5. and five. Derek Carr, 381, three scores, not great. Devontae Booker rushed for 50 yards on 16 carries in replacement of Josh Jacobs, sorry. Um, Darren Waller, though, absolutely just feasted all day on the Jets' defense. Marcus May couldn't cover him. Ashton Davis couldn't cover him. Harvey Lang couldn't cover him. And this led to Darren Waller putting up 200 yards and two scores. Great, great day for the Raiders towards the end, but it was an egregious loss for the Jets. Just one that really stings and one that is going to eat with this team because this was the closest they've come to not being 0-12 and being 1-11. and But... Nonetheless, they did get some production. Ty Johnson, the first 100-yard rusher the team has had since Isaiah Crowell in 2018, I believe. And he had 104 yards and a score. And Josh Adams, former Notre Dame product, 8 carries, 74 yards. But look at this, 9.3 yards per carry. So the Jets did see some production, but a tough, tough loss for them. And at times, the Raiders looked really good yesterday. And at times, they looked awful. They need to get it figured out because they could barely beat the worst team in football. 
We go to Minnesota, where the Jaguars and the Vikings fought a nail-biter yesterday. Mike Glennon was just not great, but he did put up 280 in a score. James Robinson, though, continues to be a breakout star for the Jags with 78 yards and a score. Colin Johnson and Glennon were connecting all day as he had 66 yards. But the story was Joe Schobert. He had a pick that he returned for a touchdown, and he had a very, very nice day, also with a sack as well. He definitely gets the game ball for them on the defensive side of the football. But it doesn't matter much because they did lose the game. Kirk Cousins, 305, three scores, kind of started to find a rhythm towards the back half of this game and just scored enough points because in the second half he had 18 points, or the Vikings had 18 points, but in the first half only six for the team and then the field goal in OT sealed the deal. But Dalvin Cush rocked. Dalvin Cook rushed for 120 yards on 32 carries. Justin Jefferson had over 100 yards and a score, continuing his dominant performances. And Adam Thielen had 75 yards and a score. Came close to the Jaguars getting their second win, but ultimately the Vikings pulled it off to go to 500 at 6-6. Six and six. We go to Miami in a game that was an absolute mess. Multiple players were ejected. Nobody really came out of this game looking great. But the without Joe Burrow Bengals didn't look too bad. I mean... Brandon Allen was pretty solid with completions, going 11 for 19, 153 yards, and looked okay, but ultimately he was replaced. Giovanni Bernard could not get going, only 12 carries for 30 yards with a 2.5 yards per carry. Not great. But the story of the day was Tyler Boyd on his 72-yard reception didn't have another catch the rest of the day, and T. Higgins, five receptions for 56 yards. The Dolphins did a solid job of shutting the team down yesterday, even with a backup quarterback. The run defense was great, and Kyle Van Noy had an absolute phenomenal game. And on the offensive side of the football, two attack of Iloa, 296 and a score. Can't beat that. Solid day. And Miles Gaskin, nearly 100 yards rushing in his return from the IR. Good day for him. And Mike Gesicki, just another score and always a great thing. And Kyle, or sorry, Xavier Howard had a interception to go to eight interceptions on the year, which now leads the NFL. And Van Noy's stat line, three sacks, five TFLs, and eight tackles. What a day for Van Noy. We go to Houston, where they had a problem yesterday closing this one out. It seemed like they genuinely had a shot to come back, but a safety and a touchdown ended up being the differential in this game. The Colts just kind of, it was like a bear fighting a fish. They, You know they're going to win, but it seemed like all day it took them to finish it off because they were just teetering with the competition. But... Good day for Phillip Rivers, 285, two scores. Jonathan Taylor, 91 yards rushing, starting to kind of burst a little more, seven yards per carry. T.Y. Hilton had a little bit of a resurgence game of over 110 yards and a score. Jonathan Taylor also had a yard res- or a touchdown receiving. But Justin Houston had a nice day. He forced a safety, had three sacks, two TFLs, and a forced fumble. DeForest Buckner also added two sacks on the defensive side of the football for the Colts. They go to 8-4, and four, tied with the Titans for the lead, but they have the tiebreakers. So they're in first, and the Texans under Romeo Cronell now drop to 4-8. and eight. The Bears hosting the Lions. The Bears needed a win bad after um, a few weeks ago. They've just not been able to find a rhythm after getting just destroyed on Sunday Night Football by the Packers. And the Lions 
trying to get something going with now Matt Patricia out. And Matthew Stafford was just about perfect yesterday. Did throw a pick, but 402 yards and three scores. What more can you ask for? Adrian Peterson, 57 yards and two scores. Marvin Jones had 116 and a score. And TJ Hawkinson also had 84 yards. Receiving Quintus Cephas got his first touchdown. Romeo Quara had a forced fumble. That was a good play by him. I saw that one. And he also had a sack and a pretty solid day for the rookie. Now, looking to the Bears, David Montgomery really impressed me yesterday. He's starting to really find a rhythm. 72 yards and two scores. Broke off a beautiful 57-yard run in the Green Bay Packers game. Starting to find a rhythm as the lead back with Tariq Cohen out. Cordell Patterson also had a nice day yesterday, 59 and a score. And Mitch Trubisky had went 26 for 34, 265 yards, or 267 yards, sorry, and a score. Solid day for him. Solid day for the Bears, but it was not enough to beat the Lions, who now pull off a win to go to 5-7 and seven in their first win without Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn as general manager. The Falcons hosted the Saints yesterday in a game that Taysom Hill finally proved he could be a solid quarterback in this league. He carved up an awful Atlanta Falcons defense for 232 yards and two touchdowns and 83 yards rushing, 88 yards for Kamara as well, 105 yards for the slant king, Michael Thomas. But the Falcons just could not get going yesterday. Matt Ryan, 273 and a score. And Todd Gurley, two yards per carry, eight rushes for 16 yards. Rough, rough day for him. Seems like the bell could be finally tolling. And Calvin Ridley had over 100 yards receiving. So solid day for him, um, but not a great day for the Falcons as they dropped to 4-8. and eight, And the Saints clinched a playoff berth at 10-2. and two. The Washington football team is now playing. Just wanted to say that they have kicked off now. Um, they are playing the Steelers in the afternoon game of Monday Night Football. They just kicked off and wanted to announce that and take a quick break from the game recaps because I just got the alert. But the Seahawks hosted the Giants, and this was probably, I would say, the shock or the upset of the week. The Giants have started to find a rhythm now after their rough, rough start. Colt McCoy in relief of Daniel Jones yesterday, 105, a score and a pick, but this was Wayne Gallman all day. The rushing attack as a whole for the Giants was great. Over 160 yards rushing, but 135 of those were Wayne Gallman's. They were able to get the ball spread out well, but this was a defensive performance. Blake Martinez had a forced fumble. James Bradbury had a forced fumble. Tay Crowder had a sack and a TFL. Jabril Peppers had a sack and a TFL. Two and a half sacks and two TFLs for Leonard Williams and half a sack for Jabal Sheard. This defense was rolling yesterday, and the Giants take a win and a lead in the NFC East and the Seahawks a curious loss drops them to 8 and 4 after their rough or after their really strong start they've really had a rough couple of weeks the Rams and the Cardinals, this was a game that was going to be of, of the utmost importance within that division. Could the Rams capitalize on the fact of the Seahawks' loss and take control of that division? And they were able to do that with a 38-28 victory. Jared Goff looked really good, 351 and a score. Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson combined for over 110 yards and two scores. Jared Goff also rushed for a touchdown. They played very, very good and clean football yesterday. One thing I want to note, a sack for Aaron Donald, but only two tackles for him yesterday. The Cardinals' offensive line did a solid job, something to watch as it was a fairly good performance from them. And Kyler Murray, three touchdowns and 173 yards, but the run defense for the Rams, despite Aaron Donald having a rough day, the guys around him showed up and showed out because he was able to only put up 
15 yards rushing. So good day for the Rams. Not so great day for the Cardinals, but hopefully they're able to rebound. They're at 500 now, and the Rams now go to 8-4. and four. In a game that was the absolute blowout of the week, the Patriots tore apart the Chargers after Anthony Lynn said before the game this week that they are now out of the playoffs. They really have nothing to play for. Only 69 yards passing for Cam Newton, but 80 yards rushing for Damian Harris and two rushing touchdowns for Cam Newton. This was a absolute clinic rushing, just pounding the rock, playing smooth and controlled football. This was a great, great game for the Patriots. 45 points for them. They shut out the Chargers. The Chargers dropped to 3-9, and nine, and the Patriots back to 500. Something to watch there. The Eagles and the Packers, the game that everybody was talking about. Jalen Hurts came in finally in relief of Carson Wentz, and this caught a lot of eyes. 5 for 12, 109, and a score and a pick. Did seem like, though, that that offense had a little bit of a boost when he was at quarterback rather than Wentz. So something to watch in the coming weeks, but they got torn apart by the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is starting to firmly place his name in the MVP conversation, 295 and three scores, and a great day from Aaron Jones as well with 130 and a score. And they go to nine and three, second place in the NFC, and the Eagles could still win the division, but there is issues deeply rooted in Philadelphia. Broncos and the Chiefs, Sunday night football. The Chiefs kind of toyed once again, kind of like the Saints did with the Falcons um, and the Colts did with Texans. Kind of toyed with their prey for the bulk of the evening. But this was a game where I came out feeling very, very good about the Chiefs, despite the somewhat complacent performance. Patrick Mahomes continues to be dominant, but 318 and a score. Le'Veon Bell in relief of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, only 40 yards rushing. Seems like he's really starting to struggle. Darrell Williams had a better rushing game than him yesterday with 6.3 yards per carry. On average, two Levs, 3.6. Travis Kelsey had 136 yards and a pick or and a score and Tyron Matthew had two picks solid day for the Chiefs but this was a game that they just outplayed and outcoached the Broncos uh Locke had 151 two touchdowns and two picks in his game back after the Kendall Hinton experience um Melvin Gordon had 131 solid day for him but just seemed like they just couldn't get going but they were hanging in all night it was a weird weird Sunday night football game but the Chiefs walk out 11 and 1 clinch a playoff berth and the Broncos drop to 4 and 8 so right now the Steelers are hosting the football team seems like we kind of know how this is going to fall but the Steelers after a rough week last week against the Ravens need a kind of statement win and the football team could use a win to get back in the uh, NFC East conversation. And then later this evening, the 49ers will host the Bills in a game that should be fairly good. Um, the 49ers' first game in Arizona with the stay-at-home orders in Santa Clara. But the Bills need another win on their resume as well to compete with some of the top teams in the AFC that all had very good days yesterday. And then tomorrow night on Tuesday Night Football, the Ravens will host the Cowboys, a kind of game where the Cowboys could get back in the playoff conversation because of the NFC East with a win, or the Ravens need a statement win after a tough, tough couple weeks where they're now at 6-5. and five. So a couple crucial games to watch to cap off the week but it was a phenomenal week 13, a lot of intense action, a lot of great action, and one of the best witching hours 
in the last few weeks from the um, 1 p.m. games. Just a lot of good football between the Raiders and the Jets, a potential Titans comeback, the Vikings-Jags game, the Texans-Colts game, and the Lions-Bears game. All were phenomenal games yesterday. Nonetheless, great week of football. Now Andy St. Floor joins the pod. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is an absolutely dynamic wide receiver and defensive back from Western New England University. He is currently a pro football free agent and a dynamic athlete. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Andy St. Floor. Andy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. So starting with the start of your football career, how did you end up playing football? Uh, funny story. Uh, it was it was introduced to me at a at a very young age uh, by by my neighborhood friends actually. So uh, once I started playing it, and I started enjoying it. It it kind of became a it quickly became a passion for me. So uh, you know I also grew up playing a whole bunch of other sports, but this was the one that really stuck with me. So uh, yeah, football was the it was the way I ended up going. Now, what was your high school football experience like? Um, so I played high school football at Norwalk High in Connecticut. Um, it was it was it was it was very good. Uh, we we spent uh, we had a couple losing seasons, but uh, my senior year we were we were able to do some very special things. Uh, we ended up you know going nine and two, uh, making states, which is something that hasn't been done since 1980 for that school. So um, and of course, uh, even though I didn't go to the high school. Um, I still was able to still, still play, but uh, I still uh, made a whole bunch of friendships that I, that I still keep in contact with now. Met a great group of guys, so uh, overall a great experience. Now, looking at your college recruiting process, what was that like coming out of high school? Oh man, it was it was different. Uh, so I was a guy that didn't really go to any camps, uh, didn't really have any exposure, so I flew under the radar. Um, so what I did was just kind of just built my my highlight tape on auto. Um, and then picked a whole bunch of schools that I wanted to go to and just went on the school site, got the contact info for the head coaches, the scouting department, and just really just sent the link um, to my highlight tape and, you know, try to get my foot in the door that way. Now, you, I'm backtracking a second here. You mentioned you didn't go to high school where you played high school football. What was that about? Yeah, that's correct. So I went to a magnet high school. Um, you had to enroll there. Uh, but I, being that I lived in the Norwalk district, um, I was able to still play for Norwalk High. So I'd go to my high school, um, go there from 7 to 2, and then on my way up back to to, to my hometown, Norwalk, uh, I'd get dropped off at practice, um, you know, just in time for practice. So. so definitely a lot of grind went into getting you back and forth to football before you even stepped on the gridiron. Absolutely, man. And, and my high school didn't have a team. So, you know, everybody was doing the same thing. They were just playing in their district high schools. Well, that definitely shows your love for the game if you were willing to put all that into just finding a way to play. Absolutely, man. <laughs> now, talking about that college experience that I just alluded to, what was your college football experience like? The uh, Muni was, was awesome, man. Uh, I was given the resources to, you know, thrive on the field, off the field. Um, I was able to win my first championship my senior year, uh, which was awesome. Um, and same kind of story. The culture that we had was very similar to the one I had in high school. So, uh, you know, I met a great group of guys, people that I still keep in contact with. Um, and yeah, man, it, it was overall definitely a great experience. Now, you just touched on that championship. What was that like? Oh, 
man, it was, I couldn't even put it to words, man. I mean, you know, you grind so hard and, you know, you, you really don't know what's, what's, uh, what could happen during the season. So, uh, to go undefeated and win the conference championship, man, it was, it was awesome, man. Now, talking a little more about your in-season, um, results, what was an aspect of your game that you feel right away you needed to improve on the second you stepped on the campus? Um, well, as you know, uh, you know, the difference between high school and college is everybody's bigger, everybody's faster. So, uh, you know, I've always been a small guy. So immediately when I stepped into college, I knew that I had to, you know, definitely strength train, uh, make sure I was durable. Um, speed has always been my asset, but, you know, I'd, I'd still fine tune that as well. So, um, and obviously it, it, it definitely does take a different kind of preparation. You got to be more technically sound, more thorough. Um, yeah, you can't be sloppy in the college level, no matter what level you play at. Now, as time went on over your four years, if you had to pinpoint one aspect of your game or on the field or even off the field, what do you feel you grew the most in? Uh, being actually a silent leader, uh, you know, a, a lot of guys that ended up looking up to me just, just, uh, just by the way that I worked out, uh, and really prepared towards the game. So, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of, you know, trait to, to be able to influence and motivate people, uh, I'm definitely grateful for. Now, looking now to your football future, what does your football future look like right now? Obviously, a lot of uncertainty with the COVID pandemic, but what does that future look like to you right now? Sure. For sure. Even even with uncertainty, I'm still preparing. Um, and with that being said, I, I expect to be playing in a league. Um, you know, uh, the, the plan definitely doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Now, is there any feel you've gotten so far on what that could look like? What league or what the timetable is for you playing professional football? Unfortunately, I do not, um, you know, but I'm just, I'm just trusting the process. I'm taking it one step at a time and really just controlling what I can do, which is, you know, just continue training, continue preparing, uh, because when that opportunity does come and, it, you know, when it comes suddenly, uh, you know, I have to be ready for it. Now, talking about that opportunity, um, looking down the road, so this is a fairly broad question, but... I'm going to start first with a three-year goal and then a five-year goal because of the unique situation you're in. So starting first, what is your three-year goal for football? Uh, three-year goal still doesn't change. Uh, first is just getting getting on to a team um, and, and whatever league that is, um, you know, whatever opportunity comes my way. And the five-year is basically the same. Uh, I expect to still be playing at that point and hopefully – uh, depending on how my body feels, I could continue playing longer than that. But if not, then, you know, we start looking onto post-career opportunities outside of football on the field. Now, tying the post-career opportunities into my next question, have you thought about a plan B? Obviously, this is a hard question to ask and a hard question to really think about. And I've asked a couple of um, players in similar situations this, but yeah. is there a plan B at this point in time or is it all football all the way? Yeah, my, my plan is definitely all football all the way right now. Uh, but I will say, I mean, currently I'm in a pretty good spot. I, I have a job at home. I work from home currently. Uh, it's a business job, desk job. Uh, you know, so, you know, if football ends up, you know, 
it doesn't work out, then, you know, I still have that to fall back on. Now, looking ahead to fairly far down the road, but if you had to envision the type of player you could be at the next level, what kind of player would that be? Oh, man. Uh, You know, I I try not to do comparisons, but uh, there are a few guys that I I do try to emulate my game after. Um, AD is one of them. Deshaun Jackson is another. So basically, basically all the undersized, speedy guys, um, you know, is, is what I would say I'm most similar to. Now, looking at a little bit of your tape and um, prep for this, one thing I definitely noticed is you actually remind me a lot of um, current New York Jets wide receiver, Jamison Crowder, a guy who could be split out wide, could be in the slot, but definitely has the potential to make things happen with their speed. So that was somebody right. I looked at for you. Is there... I guess, uh, was there a player growing up that you thought, this is the guy I want to be like when I'm older? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, when I got to high school, uh, he was in college at the time. And to this day, I still think his highlight tape is the, the best college highlight tape you will see. Uh, and that was Tavon Austin. Oh, wow. Now, Tavon yeah. Austin has kind of been bounced around the league in a sense but I, I completely agree with you. Looking at him coming out of college, that is one of the most prolific wide receiver prospects. I think you can make the case that there's been in the last couple decades. And Absolutely. So I guess that feeds into my follow-up question here is speed receivers often fit a niche role, like the Jamison Crowder I just talked about. But you mm-hmm. mentioned guys who can kind of do it all. Do you see yourself more as that guy who could fit that speed niche, or do you see yourself as the kind of guy that could do it all? Uh, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to say I could definitely do it all. Um, I-, I definitely would like to be more than one-dimensional. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that's all. It's also going to depend on the kind of scheme of the, the team that I'm on. So, uh, you know, whatever niche role that, that I'm given, uh, I'm definitely going to do it to the best of my ability. Now, looking back, just mentioned the favorite player, but was there a team growing up that was your go-to football team every given Sunday? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. Oh, come on, Andy. I was just starting to like you. And then you come out and you throw the Dallas Cowboys out here, and now I don't know. Now I don't know how I keep going. They're in a tough spot right now. Very tough spot. Yeah, Andy Dalton just went down. Um, you know, and the, the division too is, is looking rough. So, um, you know, it, anything can happen at this point. Well, listen, I, this isn't necessarily a question related to your football career, but if you were in the driver's seat right now, the Dallas Cowboys, what do you do in terms of maybe potentially re-signing Dak Prescott or what do you do at quarterback? What does Andy St. Floor do if he is in Jerry Jones seat right now of the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, I think first is not to hit the panic button. Um, I think nothing changes at this point. You still got to move forward with, uh, you know, with or without deck. Um, you know, things things happen when guys go down, key guys go down, but, you know, the next guy has to move, uh, step up um, when their name is called. So, uh, you know, I, I keep things as is. I wasn't, I wouldn't change anything right now. See, I was waiting for the, well, first thing first is I would sign myself, and then I would get going to the rest of the roster. <laughs> well, you might have more of a GM hat more than I do, man, so. <laughs> hey, but uh, 
the Cowboys, though, in the long term, they definitely have a lot of potential because they've got some guys there at wide receiver who are no joke in Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and uh, those are sure. a couple guys who are uh, definitely some talented prospects for the future on offense along with Zeke and uh, even Dak when he hopefully uh, gets back healthy along with Dolan. Now, transitioning uh-huh. in here a little bit to, I guess, looking to your background of all the places you've been, has there mm-hmm. been a coach that has had just an immeasurable impact on your career to this point? Oh, yeah, for sure. Both my high school and college coaches, uh, Coach Moth um, and Coach Benoit, for sure, in college, uh, especially Coach Benoit. He was he was really on top of me. He, I, I think day one, he just knew the kind of skills that I brought to, uh, you know, that level of play. So he was very on top of me when it came to technique and learning the new techniques um, and making sure that, you know, I, I stayed mentally strong and strong. Now, looking to the off-the-field impacts, who has had the biggest impact on you off the field? Uh, my, my uncle, for sure. Um, you know, we, we talk basically every day, uh, even when I went away for college. So he's, he's the one that's really kept me grounded. Um, and he's, he's, he's definitely helped me with my personal development growing up. Now, talking about a moment, there's... A defining moment, I feel, and everybody I've talked to really has been able to say this. There's a moment when you realize that this is what you want to spend the rest of your life doing, whether it be a touchdown catch or an interception or for a different profession, you know, the musical or performance where you shine the brightest. What was your moment that you realized football is what I want to do with the rest of my life? Uh, it's funny how you say that. It was honestly right after my senior year ended. Uh, during spring ball, I was working with the quarterback, um, running routes and just making sure, you know, he was he was ready to go. Um, and it kind of just, it came to me like, basically like an epiphany. Um, and that's when I said, yeah, I, I want to pursue the professional career. Um, and, you know, and once I did that, you know, things really just started lining up for me. Um, you know, I was able to get a trainer uh, who's who's worked with guys um, in the NFL and other pro leagues. Um, you know, I, I played semi-pro to just a game more film after that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been a, a process. Now, talking a little bit about Andy St. Floor off the gridiron, who is mm-hmm. Andy St. Floor? <laughs> he's, a, he's a very quiet, uh, private kind of guy. But with that being said, I mean, I, I do everything that, you know, most people do. Uh, not to sound cliche, you know, just hanging out with my boys, um, you know, socialize. Um, I'm definitely active, uh, love working out, um, staying in shape, um, you know, things of like that. Now, in the past, aside from wide receiver, you played a little defensive back in high school, and you definitely have that speed, which we talked about a little earlier, that can provide you the ability to do a lot of things, maybe play on special teams, or even Mm -hmm. maybe switch positions if needed be. So you idolized a guy like Tavon Austin, who made a career off versatility. Where do you feel your best fit if it wasn't at wide receiver? Um, I figure it would be in the kick return game. Um, I haven't played DB since high school, but, uh, you know, if I had to make the team doing that or, you know, play special teams, like you said, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to step up and, you know, do that to the best of my ability. 
Now, one of my last questions for you here is probably the hardest one to answer. So I'll give you as much time as you want. But when it's all said and done, Andy, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I've always been the kind of guy that's been more concerned about the team uh, more than myself. So, uh, you know, just, you know, elevating the player around my uh, elevating the play of the guys around me, uh, you know, putting putting the needs of theirs, putting their needs before my own. Um, being the hardest worker in the room, that's something that I've I've always prided myself on. I think that's something that's contagious. So uh, by doing that, you know, we could create a you know a great culture. Uh, even after uh, even after you know I leave the team or so on forth. Um, and then lastly, just making a you know an impact outside of it. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes to think about the bigger picture. Um, you know, I've been extremely fortunate to be a student athlete. Um, so I think it's only fair that I give back. Now, this is a side comment before we get going, but you're definitely somebody who sounds like a leader, sounds like somebody who could be that leader off the field as well. Is there a party that's ever considered, you know, we made a joke about a GM hat before. Is there a party that would consider working in the off the field aspect of football, whether that may maybe coaching still kind of on the field or in the front office one day? Absolutely. I feel like, you know, being around the game for this long, I mean, it's going to be very hard to leave it. So if I'm able to still, you know, do something inside of it, for sure. Now, my last question for you here, maybe even harder one than the legacy question. So uh, when it's all said and done, what kind of mm -hmm. boat would you like to be? What kind of boat? Boat. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I guess we're going to have to go with the, with the one I know best, which is a yacht, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not a bad answer at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I, that's the only boat I really know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Andy, can you tell the people where they could find you on social media or anything else you're doing and keep up with your journey? Yes, sir. So I, I'm only on Instagram right now, um, but you could you could find me at Andy A N D Y Saint S T underscore Fleur, which is F L E U R. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Andy Saint Fleur. Uh, Andy, thanks again for coming on, man. It was a pleasure. Hey, thank you for having me. My thanks once again to Andy St. Floor. It was a privilege to sit down with him and excited to see what he does in his future. If you want to listen to more episodes of Ambitious, check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and Google Play, and all the other platforms. And if you want to check us out on social media, Instagram is at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter is at Ambitious with DP, and YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price. Have a great week, ambitious listeners, and we are closing in on the holiday season and the end of 2020. So remember, just make the rest of this year as great as you possibly can, given the circumstances, and always be ambitious.